Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, especially St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. That's Daiwa. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is recorded and produced in Northern Illinois at two separate studios. We ship the audio down to Lando Lakes, Florida to our executive producer and future daddy, Mr. Brad Nearman from Berserk Productions. Hope you and Olivia are doing well, Bradley. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnson. He's going to give an introduction to ice fishing. Then Guillermo Gonzalez, he's the hottest thing on the water if you're a kayak fisherman. Man, this guy is just winning like crazy. And he's going to uh, talk to you about kayaks. going to make you want to run out and get one and go kayak fishing starting today. Guillermo Gonzalez. And I get to talk to Nick Lebrun, Bassmaster Central Open winner this past weekend. A very, very hot stick. Nick Lebrun, looking forward to talking to him. But first, Dave Kranz is going to bring on our friend Dan Johnson. Please take it away, Dave Kranz. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I'd like to welcome back Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan? Doing really good, Dave. Thanks. We uh, had a lot of new people come into ice fishing last year, and and you know partly because of COVID, they got into fishing, and then they uh, wanted to try that and. Uh, I don't think we've ever done a real basic introduction to ice fishing. So I think uh, today that would be a good time to do that because there's still a lot of people that came into fishing this year that may want to try it. And, uh, you know, those down south, uh, it give you guys an indication of if you wanted to come up and do a trip somewhere. And uh, But for those that don't have everything and you don't live where there's going to be ice every year, you might want to go on a guided trip or something like that. But uh, there's a lot of things uh that we can tell people to get them introduced to ice fishing, isn't there? There is, and you know, everything outdoors increased in the last year and a half, really from RVs to canoes to hiking to everything. And ice fishing, certainly participation right there with fly, fly fishing and open water conventional angling. But you know, I would say to the listeners out there that haven't done it, it's an absolute blast. You know, safety is always first and we'll get to that. But the sport itself is amazing. Usually you find big numbers of fish through one small hole which is very <laughs> typical of the winter time which is a riot so it's the ultimate time to use electronics it's great understanding how to manage light line which can benefit you even when you're open water fishing and and then all the different species that we target you know here where i i live it's a lot of bluegill and crappie but we do get into the walleye thing as we go north that gets really prominent you've got lake trout and you know, but there's some certain staple things that that entry level ice angler would want to be aware of. You know, for example, what kind of auger to get. Some are much better than others. We do not have to spend a bunch of money on a an electric one or a gas powered one right off the bat. There's, but I would recommend the laser auger. You can Google that one um, because it's a lot better than some of the ones that don't have real good blades on them. You know, and then 
Rod's real line tackle. We can take this wherever you want to take it. Yeah, because there's some basic things, and I guess we can start off with, uh, you know, having a bucket and possibly a seat on there, uh, just so you can uh, uh, get on there. And as far as an auger goes, if you if you're not a hundred percent sure, because you can end up spending a fair amount of money on this, a hundred percent, you know, positive that you want to do this. Uh, if you go out on the right day, there's holes all over some of these lakes where people have drilled and looking around, and and you can go out and try it, and and probably not need to have that the first time you go uh providing you go to a lake where there's a lot of fishermen and and i would uh uh, invite people to walk up to people that are experienced and and it's not like parking a boat next to somebody most of the ice fishermen will help you especially if you have kids won't they yeah they do i mean it it, that would agree a hundred percent you know one thing that becomes a little obviously we don't want to set right up on top of somebody unless they invite us in and, and if, if you are using a, a, a fish finder that can matter too because you can get a little element of interference with them too unless you really know what you're doing with interference reduction but that's an advanced topic but you know it, it, you ice fishermen are really willing to help um especially you know certainly if you walk up with kids but even if you just haven't done it before and you know the reason i bring up the laser auger because that will open an old hole Yes. Where some 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 augers won't, and that's one of the main underlying reasons why I brought that up. It it, it is a real good thing to get your hands on, um, because sometimes you know an inch or two of refrozen ice in an old hole, that laser auger will just pop it right open. So, but no, it, it, what what's really important is to just get get our heads around ice fishing is usually a lot lighter line and smaller baits than we're normally used to fishing, even though some of those smaller baits can weigh a significant amount with the advent of tungsten a few years ago, you know, so it's just a, it's a, it's really a micro finesse, generally speaking, way to fish. Can we catch them on a big jigging wrap? Absolutely. But the crappie and bluegill thing, generally speaking, is smaller than what we're normally used to fishing. Yeah, the uh, one, two, and three pound test, or three pound, I think, is the most popular I have. After that, it goes to two, one, and then four. Uh, you know, I, I had some new people last year ask for six or eight pound test, and I said, you know, are you, you jigging for walleye? Or no, no, we, we want for panfish. I said, well, three or two is even better because you'll get more hits and your, your jig and your bait will look more lifelike with the lighter line. And you know, they have a long time to look at it under the ice. They're sitting there staring it down. It's not moving, is it? Well, that's the reason right there. You get micro-analyzed, and we know that by using cameras and electronics. They'll come up and they'll check you out. And and oftentimes, too, sometimes when we get into ice fishing, the water gets real clear. And so they get a real good look at it. The action of the bait, meaning the fall, when we lift it and let it drop, and when we move it around, uh, you just, yeah, you you no question you get more bites and those hooks are super sharp on those little ice jigs. And uh, it's just, it's, it's extremely effective. And, you know, certainly there's different ways to hook a wax worm up or, you know, and that's one thing that somebody, you know, Dave, if somebody went in and saw you and your shop and the staff you have to work with, they can talk people about, you know, the difference between threading them. See, in my opinion, when you thread a wax worm, start with the head and actually thread it, it looks a lot like a freshwater shrimp if you Google that, which is very, very, uh, very popular forage base, especially for bluegill. Um, it, or you can T-bone that wax worm too, and you get a completely different action out of it. You can also move the knot on the eye of the jig to affect the angle in which the jig lies in the water. And these are things for an entry-level angler that are not hard to do that make all the difference in the world. You know, so if you 
come upon somebody that's done it a lot, even in a store. Um, just pick their brain because I tell you, it's years and years of us not catching them. <laughs> it made us figure out how to catch them. And a lot of times that's leaning on others that know more. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that uh, threading of the of the bait on there, waxworm spike, yeah, it does look like a freshwater shrimp. And it it, it probably isn't something you would do in the summer for with a nightcrawler, but uh, it wouldn't be. But you would, uh, uh, if you put it in the water and, and you try different ways like this and, um, you know, if you're getting hit on something more often than, than not, then then hook all the lines up like that if you got several people fishing. Uh we talked a little bit about uh, okay, we an auger, and um, you can buy some uh, light line on whatever kind of equipment you use. You can use your old uh, or your spinning reel that you use for panfish in the summer, and you can buy an ice rod, or you can buy an ice rod combo. Generally, those aren't the most uh, expensive reels because you're not casting these; you're opening the bale and you're letting it down. And and here in in uh, the Midwest, uh, you know, a lot of the waters we're fishing and backwaters of the rivers are are only three, four, five feet down, and and you're not fishing real deep a lot of times, so it's not like you need to have a, a lot of line. You can buy a package ice line and split that between two or three rigs, can't you? Yeah, you can. It, it You know, it is literally holding the line. The drag can be important if you get something beyond manufacturer's recommendation on. It's nice to have a drag that'll handle it. But, you know, having a spring bobber can be nice for that visual indicator um, for the strike especially if we're not using electronics, but even if we are. And then I would also say that the combos are a real nice way to go. It's just a self-setup package. And, you know, to your point, you want to make sure you get light line on it. One thing I would say to any beginning ice angler out there that an experienced ice angler may not tell you because they just assume things sometimes it is what it is, but always, especially ice fishing. If you're fishing in five foot of water, Take six or seven foot of that line in your hands and stretch it. Don't, not hard enough to break it, but stretch it because it'll lay dead limp and it makes a giant difference. If you, if you drop monofilament line or fluorocarbon down into the water, cold water, and you haven't stretched it, it has coils in it. They can come up and smoke that ice jig and you'll never know it. <laughs> All they do is take two or three coils out of it. And they haven't got to the 10 that are between that one and your rod. So that's the biggest piece. I do it every single time I go. It's the first thing I do is stretch my line. So it lays down just like a girl's hair going down there. It makes a big, big difference on strike detection and getting that transmission to that rod tip. Boy, that's a great tip. And a good good indicator of that is when you're putting your line down in the hole, if it's going straight down, you got the stretch out of it enough. If it's curling on top and you see it looping down, uh, you know, clockwise or counterclockwise, then you don't have enough stretch out. Uh, but no, that that's that's a real good tip. And, you know, and I think um, for the clothes for ice fishing, you know, people have to remember that you're standing on a block of ice. So make sure you got decent boots, a couple layers of socks, um, you know, uh, hand warmers are, are a good thing to have in your, you know, because it's hard to do a lot of these techniques with the light line with gloves on. So sometimes you just keep them in your in your pocket with, uh, with the hand warmer and pull it out for a while and then warm it back up, switch hands, you know, going from left to right. Pretty, pretty uh, basic stuff here, but that's what we wanted to cover because I think there's a lot of people that will get into this and did get into it and maybe haven't had... Um, you know, most of the videos you watch and on on things on YouTube and that are are pretty advanced, and and we don't want to discourage anybody from being out there. 
No, I mean, you know, the key, and we've been, I've been asked many times, how do we keep these eight to 10 million anglers that got into fishing a year and a half ago in the sport? And the answer is to make them successful, help them be successful. And anything we can do related to ice fishing to help people catch them, whether it's, you know, using fresh bait or how to thread the wax worm or stretching your line or, you know, another thing I would say is when we're holding an ice rod over a hole, don't have the distance between your rod tip and that hole be too great. Drop that tip down so you're close to the water, relatively close to it, because number one, it gets the wind out of play to some degree. You're better connected with it. You have a better angle. I've seen people hold their rods up high, even above horizontal, and you just never feel anything. So sometimes it's the little things that can make all the difference, especially ice fishing, where a lot of times it's just a little inhalation of that bait. That's all it is. They just suck it in. And if you're not set up right to begin with or be in the right, you know, angle of attack, you can miss a lot of those fish. But it's an amazing time to fish. And like I said, you can drill one hole and catch 30 if you get set up right. Anybody listening out there that wouldn't enjoy that, I'd like to meet them. Absolutely. Hey, we're we're up against the clock here and we didn't even get to talk about uh, uh, ice fishing safety and some of maybe a, a little more advanced techniques. So I'm going to have you uh, uh, talk about that next week and I uh, appreciate you being on the podcast again. Yeah, thanks so much, Dave. That was Dan Johnson. He is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. We will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. And I always like to say the uh, people I get to interview on this segment have a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly does. He's a uh, kayak fisherman. He is a St. Croix pro staffer. He just won the Yak Attack KBF National Championship and also was the 2021 KB Trail Series champion. I would like to welcome Guillermo Gonzalez to the We Fish ASA podcast. How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, you've, you've, you've had a, uh, a great year. Let's, let's get a little background on you for the listeners that uh, uh, haven't heard your name before. Uh, how long have you been kayak fishing? 
Well, it, it really depends what you consider kayak fishing. Um, because I, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to always beg my mom. I, one of her, one of her best friends had a little kayak by the water. I grew up in South Florida, and I used to always beg my mom to ask her to uh, let me get out on their kayak so I can go catch snook. There you go. Um, so you could say a long time, but I've really only been fishing competitively for about, I think it's been uh, nine years now. Nine years. And that's a long time. But the kayak uh, series of fishing and, and the dollars you can win doing it have come a long way in that nine years, haven't they? Oh, yes, they have. There, there's so many uh, good tournaments and, uh, you know, uh, and opportunities for people that, that – Many used to have bass boats and have gone down to the kayak fishing because of the uh, you get exercise doing it and the, there's more opportunities doing it and you know you fished out of them for a long time but did you switch from doing other kind of fishing to do it or that has always been your passion to fish out of a kayak? No, it's it's pretty much always been my passion. It, it kind of originated um, as when I was in uh, when I was in college. I went to college at TCU in Fort Worth. I was on the college fishing team. And uh, I just needed a way to kind of hone my skills a little better. Um, and so uh, I I did a little digging, and I found out that there were several local trails, local kayak fishing trails around. And so it made sense as a cost-effective way to hone my skills as a tournament angler. Excellent. Yeah. And, and uh, so you get to get out there and do that. So uh, tell me a little bit about this uh, Yak Attack tournament. Now, I was surprised to hear that uh, you pretty much used a, a spinnerbait and a, uh, and a St. Croix rod for the, uh, for the whole tournament. And, you know, most of the tournament anglers will have to decide how many rods they got it dialed into. And a lot of times that's three, four, five, six, if you're lucky. And sometimes you got guys that have 20 rods in their boat. But, um, you know, what, what led you to see that you only needed to use the one bait, a spinner bait? Well, I mean, I, I told, I told the majority of the people that, that that was my bait and it really was, I caught the majority of my tournament fish on that bait. Um, I was using a spinnerbait with white painted blades and I was throwing it on the legend tournament sweeper spinnerbait model, which, um, if you ever get, or if any of the viewers or listeners ever get the opera or are in the market for a spinnerbait rod, I don't, I don't know that there's a better spinnerbait rod on the market. They really nailed it with the action, but I really had, I had several, uh, I had several rods on the deck. I probably had about eight, 10 rods on my boat. Um, and I did mix in a little bit of frog fishing and I did mix in a little bit of Senko fishing, believe it or not. Uh, my spinnerbait bite didn't seem to really pick up till later in the day. I, I could never really get it going first thing in the morning. And it, it seems almost counterintuitive that I had to fish slower first thing in the morning that I did later in the day, but it was kind of a wind driven deal. Whenever the wind would pick up, which was always later in the day, that spinnerbait bite would really pick up. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times spinnerbaits work good in the uh, earlier part of the year, in the spring, in the fall. But where you're, you know, you're at, where was this tournament? It was down south, correct? Yes, uh, it, was, it was in Shreveport, Louisiana. We had the option to fish uh, several different fisheries. Um, and uh, I chose to fish on Lake Bistineau. 
And, and that, that's an added advantage to these kayak tournaments also, where you can fish different bodies of water and, and fish possibly even smaller bodies of water than um, having a 200-boat a tournament entry you know, field that has to have parking for all these rigs and trailers and everything else. So there, there's another benefit to, to the kayak fishing. So uh, was your, you chose that lake due to your pre-fishing, or what, what made you do that? Well, like I said, you know, it's honestly, it's very rare in, 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 even in kayak tournaments that we get the opportunity to choose between lakes. Um, usually we do all fish on the same lake, but they're roadrunner style events. So we can go to any public access on that lake. But what made me choose, uh, Lake Bistano, uh, this particular time around, uh, when I did research, we had a tournament there two years ago. And I did a little research, and the lake has a yearly drawdown. And uh, when I was there two years ago, the lake hadn't been drawn down yet. The reason that they draw draw it down is to control invasive Slovenia. Um, They draw it down in hopes that uh, the Slovenia, a lot of the Slovenia that's on the bank would dry up and then die, and then they'll raise it back up um, and do the same thing all over again the next year. But anyways, uh, I was always intrigued by how it might fish drawn down, considering that the entire population of the lake's fish are in half of the water. Um, it made sense that they might get kind of concentrated in certain areas, and it, and it held true. I figured that out during practice, and I had a lot of really great days on the water during practice, and that's what made me choose that lake. Excellent, excellent. Uh, so... Uh how what was the demographics that people could choose a lake from how far away could you go well it was we had five bodies of water i believe that we could choose from it was caddo lake it was lake wallace it was cypress black bayou lake bistino and uh the red river in shreveport louisiana okay. um, so i i think it was the the shreveport sports commission that that uh that chose those lakes and man they honestly all of them fished really great uh i i just happened to choose bistino but i mean i heard of a lot of people catching a lot of good bags out of caddo and the red river and cypress bayou and for those that don't fish tournaments and say, well, that, you know, it takes away from the weekend anglers, it, it, I, I would argue that it doesn't. And so would the Chamber of Commerce uh, for all these towns across this country that bring groups of anglers in and they showcase that fishery so you can see what it is. In most cases, uh, many of these things are televised or you're doing programs like this one, a podcast or uh, interviews, and, and people can learn where to go and, and how to fish these areas. So it actually helps many of the anglers decide where to go on a uh, uh, destination vacation for fishing. Absolutely. And, you know, if I'm being totally honest with you, Shreveport, uh, up until these last couple events that we fished down there, Shreveport was never at the top of my list. But um, the idea of going down to Caddo or going down to Bistino just just to fun fish for a weekend is is now kind of a lot closer to the top of my list. I had so much fun down there. We caught so many throughout the course of the tournament and in practice, me and a couple of friends that were fishing that event caught a lot of five pound fish on Caddo and Bistino. I mean, it, it, it really is one heck of a fishery. I would encourage anyone to consider heading down there. 
Yeah, and I don't think anybody uh, in the bass world would uh, not say a five-pound fish is a decent fish anywhere in the country, you know, although there's places that catch more, but we'll take every five-pounder we can get. Uh, how about other sponsors? I, we mentioned that you have St. Croix. Who else is helping, uh, keeping you doing this? So uh, I, have, I have several sponsors. I'm blessed. Um, the boat the boat company that I fish that, that I fished out of is, uh, it's, it's called a Diablo paddle sports amigo. And it's a very, uh, it's a unique, uh, kayak platform. It's, it's, they call it kind of a hybrid between a kayak and a paddle board. Um, but, uh, it's extremely stable and it's very, very customizable. Makes it very easy to fish. I've seen people even put uh, GPS style trolling motors on the front of them with spot lock and everything. They're very easy to tournament load, and and uh, it is by far uh, my favorite boat out there on the market. Um, Warner Paddles, they're a paddle company out of uh, Washington, Washington State. Uh, they've been making paddles for I don't even know how long, but it, it's, it's a big number. Um, and, uh, you know, having a good paddle makes such a difference. When you consider when you're out there paddling, how many times you you – how many paddle strokes you do that's picking up and putting down a paddle and when you consider the weight of a paddle and how many times you do that it makes a big difference over time and so having a good lightweight paddle makes a huge difference for me um excite baits i've uh, i've been with them for a long time a lot of my favorite hard and soft baits uh come from their factory uh if if you're looking to for example, uh, my favorite square bill is the Excite Baits XB1. There's to me, it's one of the best values in the market for just a really good square bill that works in a variety of situations. Um, say that again. I said that's excellent. Uh, who else do you have? You got any others? Yeah, I have fins fishing. I was actually using a new braided line that they came out with. It's called Fins Spin Braid, and it was actually designed for spinning rods. But uh, I decided to try it on a bait casting rod, and I was throwing. I believe it was the thirty-five pound test, and uh, man, it made for slinging a spinner bait around. It made a great line for that. Uh, I was. I, I personally have always preferred to throw spinnerbaits on braid. I just kind of feel like I have a much better idea, much better feel for what's going on under the water. And uh, that one option made it very easy to make a quick, short, accurate cast, which was very important out there in the cypress trees. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, I got to thank Yak Attack. Uh, they are, they've been my sponsor for a while. They, they make kayak rigging accessories but they've actually started making a lot of john boat accessories which are really cool for for those of you that are into rigging john boats um and they are the presenting sponsor of the kbf national championship and they've always been a big supporter of kayak fishing in every realm um so i would encourage you to check out their products as well excellent excellent well we um definitely uh appreciate having you on the podcast and i'm sure it won't be the last time and uh want to follow your uh the rest of your career and what you're doing and and uh thank you for being on the we fish asa podcast thank you so much i appreciate it a lot guys excellent that was uh, uh guillermo gonzalez he uh 
excellent kayak fisherman uh, proving it again and again here and, and over time fishing for a long time. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Siley is remote and this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. We will be right back after these messages. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. We Fish ASA is back. I am Steve Sarley. Dave Kranz is my partner, but Dave Kranz is not here. He's remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericanfishing.org. And if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Pleased to welcome you to somebody who's not been on the show before, and uh, I make a very safe prediction and say it. I'm sure he'll be on again because uh, this guy's on a hot streak right now. He's getting better all the time, and I see a very bright future for our next guest. Please welcome him from Louisiana, the winner of the Bass Pro Bassmaster Central Open at Grand Lake just this past weekend. He is Mr. Nick LeBrun. Hey, Nick, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, very, very pleased to have you. Uh, I, You know what? I, I think I'm talking to a guy who doesn't want the month of October to ever end. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been a crazy few days. Oh, my goodness, what a month you had. Uh, it, not enough that you won this incredible uh, Bassmaster uh uh, Central Open at Grand Lake put about fifty thousand dollars in your pocket, but but you had one earlier in the month. Well, uh, I got second at Smith, so that still just to get a top ten against any of these open guys is amazing. You know, I, I, I I'm I'm serious. I, I look at this stuff and uh, I agree exactly what you're saying. We we put so much emphasis on, on winning. And, uh, you know, just, just to be there, number one, is a, is a huge, huge accomplishment. Then 
getting a check is, is incredible. Top 10, unbelievable. And then after that, uh, uh, you know, it just goes on to what you're doing now. You, you went from a second at Smith to winning it at, at uh, Grand Lake and the Cherokees. Incredible. And uh, we'll just send a message. You know, I know that uh, our friend Aaron Martins is not doing very well right now, and, and he, he had the record for fourths. Uh, for second places in the uh, in the Bassmaster Classic, and he's always worn that uh, heavy on his head. Why he didn't win? But but I look at it. Uh, Aaron Martin's winning a number of second places in the Bassmaster Classic is like Jim Kelly of the Buffalo Bills losing four Super Bowls. You got to be damn good to be there in the first place. That's right. I mean, out of all this experience, the past few days, the thing I'm excited about the most is the classic qualification. That's been a childhood, a manhood, a everything dream. And, uh, man, it's it's surreal. I, I'm kind of overwhelmed. I can't even really uh, – <laughs> it hasn't really sunk in yet, but I'm definitely excited about that. For oh, sure. unbelievable. I, uh, yeah, the Classic is, uh, is coming up in March of, of 2022, and it's at uh, Lake Hartwell in South Carolina. Is that a lake you've ever fished before? I've never been to Hartwell, but I've been to Lake Murray. And so uh, that's kind of right down the road. And it's going to be a herring deal, you know, with some largemouth mixed in. So I'm excited. Uh, I love that part of the country. All right. We're taping this on Monday. And uh, you, uh, you you claimed your victory just, you know, within 24 hours or so ago and knew that you were going to the Classic. When, when was the first time you picked up that Lake Hartwell map to look at it? Now that you know you're going there, I, I googled it to see how far the drive was, just for family and planning. Okay, but I, I haven't looked at the, from a tournament angler standpoint yet. But I'll be doing that this off season a lot. Oh, I, I, I can't I can't even imagine what that is like. Uh, to, to fish uh, some place you've never been. Now, you, you've been to Grand Lake and the Cherokees before, right? I have. I've got uh, now I've got four events under my belt there. I had three previous, and I was really looking uh, forward, and I was excited about this event when I saw it on the schedule because I love Grand Lake. Let's talk about Grand Lake. Uh, how was your pre-fishing on that? How did you attack your pre-fishing, and what was your success? What did you learn before the tournament started? So when I got there, you know, I, I knew it was going to be tough, and I talked to a couple guys I trust that were telling me that they could get bit a whole lot, and uh, I tried the normal stuff, you know, jig on docks and fishing some little offshore rock piles, dragging this and maybe cranking that. Caught a few fish here and there on a quarter-ounce Bill Lewis trap, but I, I just wasn't getting dialed in, and so late in the day, on day two of practice, I just said, you know what, I'm going to pick up a plopper and I'm going to throw it for a couple hours and just see just see how what your bite frequency is. And so I tied it on and I just started covering water and I had a bite about every 30 to 45 minutes that afternoon. And a couple of those were big. And so I said, well, you know what, if I don't find anything else, I'm just going to keep this big bait in my hand and cover water and swing for the fence. And that's exactly what I did. You know, uh, I threw it the entire tournament. I mean, it's very rare that you have a, a big bait, big top water pattern like that that holds up for three days because normally you got to mix in a few different little things here and there. 
but it was a, a one-rod deal for me. I, I picked up that bait and never set it down, and uh, all 15 fish I weighed in come off of it. And so, uh, you know, having a tough practice is sometimes a good thing because that puts your back against the wall and just makes you commit to what you know how to do. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. Uh, how many different colors of that Whopper Plopper did you throw? I had black and white both rigged up on the deck, but the white never even hit the water. <laughs> I just kept, I just kept throwing the uh, the black one, and it's actually called Loon. It's the color, but uh, man, I just rolled with that black one, and then Biggins kept smoking it. So I, I just, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. All right, uh, and 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 uh, the Whopper Plopper comes in. Is it two or three sizes? Uh, for bass fishermen, I'd say three. It's the 90, the 110, and the 130. And you fished more than one size. I did. Um, in practice, I caught them on the 110. Um, you know, and some of those were with, with no hooks, just looking at blow-ups. But late uh, on the final day of practice on Wednesday, I went to the 130 this experiment and it seemed like the 130 i could retrieve it a little bit better in those big waves and in the wind and i had a few big bites on it you know mid-morning that wednesday and so that kind of gave me confidence to throw the bigger bait and, and kind of swing for the fence even harder and uh so day one my whole entire bag came on the 130. i only had one loon colored 130 in the boat day two I make a cast under a dock, and I break it. I shattered on a cable, and I was heartbroken. So I picked up the 110 and threw it for about 30 minutes, and it was just in my mind that I wasn't confident in the 110 anymore after what I'd done on day one. But I had a co-angler named Jacob Collins from Illinois, and he said, Hey, Nick, I've got a, a 130 size. that I, I'm. It's in my tackle box. You should try it on. I said, Man are you sure he's like yeah i'm not going to throw it behind you he's like i'm not i'm not going to do what you're doing so you use it i put on his his big size like i'd been using and caught too big and dry off the bat and it got rolling and ended up weighing in everything i had on his bar and bait that day so <laughs> so uh without him uh without his gratitude and, and him sacrificing his bait to me oh what a great story <laughs> Well, without that, yeah, without that kind of camaraderie, I probably wouldn't be talking to you here today. What, what was his name again? Jacob Collins. He's hey. from Illinois. This is co-angler side. Hey, Jacob, uh, you're a cool guy. That, that's very cool. And I, I got a funny feeling that uh, Nick LeBrun is not going to forget you for a long time. Oh, uh, yeah. We're, he, we're lifelong brothers. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, you know what? Uh I, I, I would think that uh, uh, River to Sea that makes the Whopper Plopper has got to be pretty thankful for the pub that you're giving them. Heck, when uh, I want to say two years ago, two years ago, three years ago, you couldn't find those things. The stores didn't have any of them. Uh, they, they were going for big money on eBay. Then they then they got back on the shelves as much as anything is on the shelf right now because, you know, everything is, is pretty hard to find. But you, right. you, you, could, you could get your Whopper, prop, Whopper Ploppers at the right price. I, I got a funny feeling they're going to be back on eBay and getting bid up, and you're going to be paying a lot of money for those things because of what you did. <laughs> well, hopefully so. I mean, uh, you know, River Sea is not an official partner of mine, but they do make an awesome bait. Excellent, excellent. You know what? 
and, and that's something that's something that I really appreciate. I, I I don't know you. I like you already. Not only because of the way you fish, it's it's certainly easy to uh, not uh, to uh, avoid talking about people who aren't giving you money and uh, substitute another name of a bait, whether it was actually on your line or not. And, and the good guys tell the truth, and they tell what they use, and it's not it's not. Uh, uh, you know, based on uh, on sponsorships and that, you're, you're saying what you use, and I respect that. I think that's a great thing for the sport, people who talk that way. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that, and, and here's the deal. You know, if you have a true partnership with someone, they want you to win the tournament at all costs, period. You know, and uh, and if you get an opportunity to talk about one of their products, great, but, but sometimes, you know, like Bill Lewis is my hard bait sponsor, well, they simply just don't have a, a, a plopper style bait and they know that and I know that. So they're all about me winning the tournament and just doing what I have to do and and getting it done, you know, and it's real important to kind of to have those kind of conversations ahead of time. And when you're first starting out with partners, because, um, you know, you never want to be untruthful uh, about what you were doing because you can't. I mean, it's all out there on live. It's, it's yeah. in those co-anglers' minds. It's in those conversations, you know. So uh, the best advice I could give somebody is just make sure you're partnering with people that you actually use their stuff and you believe in it, you know. And if they don't offer that particular style of bait, then – it's all good. I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. You got, you got, you got to use, you got to use something. You know, you can't uh, change your fishing for uh, uh, for that because then, then you're not winning, and nobody's happy with you. You're gonna lose a sponsor anyway. Yeah, so yeah. what, what sense does that make? Hey, when yeah, when, when, when you're throwing a uh, what color? What what's the watercolor like on uh, Grand Lake? Well, you had a few different colors, but uh, I was just in the mid-lake section around Shangri-La, and it was pretty pretty muddy. Uh, you could probably see a few inches down, and um, it seemed like if I went down toward the dam in that clear water, um, it was hard to get bit, and if I did get bit, it was smaller. So I kind of stayed in that muddier water. So it, it, was that a decision of going to Whopper Plopper? Because it's a big bait, and, and it's very, very noisy, and it does move a lot of water. It's uh, it's like pulling a barge behind you. Uh, it really gets the fish's attention. Was that something that you're thinking about and something you want to create? There's a, there's a lot of noise happening? Yeah, it, it was, because uh, in that muddy water, you have to attract the fish, and, and they're just kind of hitting it what they think it is. They're not getting a good look at the bait, um, but anytime those big gizzard chat are on the bank this time of year on an Ozark Lake, uh, that plopper is going to be a good imitator of that, you know. Well, so, and and that's in clear, muddy, stained water. Okay. Doesn't matter, but but uh, I just didn't see the gizzard chad like I wanted to down south on the lake. They were kind of more prominent in that midsection. When you're retrieving that plopper, what's your speed of retrieve? And is there any, is it just a straight constant retrieve or do you have some kind of a cadence going? Uh, it's always a steady retrieve and it's it's either going to be slow or just kind of medium. Um, and at this Grand Lake event was definitely more on the slow side. Um, and again, the bigger bait allowed me to reel it a little bit slower than the 110 size. And so uh, that slow retrieve uh, back behind those docks, it just kept the bait in the strike zone a little bit longer. And uh, that kind of seemed to be the key. Um, 
even though I was using a Fitzgerald VLD 10 8 to 1 reel, um, it's always easier to reel that plopper slower and then have that gear ratio and those inches per handle turn there ready if you need to, to catch up to a fish or or to, uh, you know, just kind of cover more water. But um, uh, high-speed reel, but reeling it slow. Okay. That was the key. And, and, and when you cast and that bait hits the water, do you immediately begin to retrieve? Wait a second. What do you do? Yeah, uh, I cast it, and with the 130 size, uh, it kind of bobs in the water. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you, if you reel it a little too early, it'll kind of um, – it won't plop for about a few feet, uh-huh. but if you if you throw it and it lands and you wait just like maybe half a second and then start reeling, it, it's on plane immediately. Good. So there's kind of a little a little sweet spot with that 130. Um, good, good advice. To, yeah, you don't want to throw it out there and let it sit. Um, you you want to throw it out there and immediately reel, but. You just want a little slight delay to make sure that bob is 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 at the top of the water um, before that bait kind of settles down. Good, good stuff. You just uh, solved a lot of problems that a lot of people have throwing those baits. I appreciate that. I need to take a real quick break. Let our sponsors have a word. We'll come back. We'll talk to you. We'll talk more about Nick LeBrun. We'll talk more about Nick LeBrun sponsors. We'll talk about his big, big victory in the Bassmaster Central Open at Grand Lake of the Cherokees in Oklahoma this past weekend. We Fish ASA with Steve Surley. We'll be right back. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected. But what you can do is take matters into the seat of your, well, shorts. Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best in Category for Technical Clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. We Fish ASA is back. I'm Steve Surley. My partner Dave Kranz is not here. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. I am here with Louisiana native Nick LeBrun. Let me get, it's, it's called Bozier, Louisiana. Yep, Bozier. How close to the Gulf are you? 
five hours. Oh, you're, you're, yeah. I'm in Northwest Louisiana, right by Shreveport. I saw they're doing that uh, that Redfish Cup down there this year, and uh, a lot of the bass guys are in it. But I, I, when I saw Louisiana, I thought that would be uh, in your sweet spot, but not at all. No, man, I'm all about the largemouth, and uh, I'm right here by Red River Pool Five, where there will be a Central Open next year. So I'm pretty excited about that one too. Oh, and uh, they didn't ask you for your opinion on that. I, they just that just uh, happened that way, putting it on your home yeah. water. Yeah, man, how lucky! How lucky is that? Yeah, unfortunately, the tournament organizations never ask the anglers where <laughs> we want to go, but every once in a while, it's somewhere good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, if they asked half of them, would say, "I don't want to go there." The others say, "Oh, yeah, I want to go there." Nobody agrees on anything. Although there's some, there's some places I've I've never heard anybody say they didn't want to fish on Gunnersville. Yeah, that's a, that's Ex- a pretty uh, pretty commonality of a lake. Yeah, ex- except the guys who live on Gunnerville, it seems like half the dang field is moving down there. They they don't win anyway, even though it's home water. So uh, you know, being able to pick where you want to fish isn't the best thing in the world. You got to be able to adapt to the different waters, and you have to have the ability to figure it out quick. Not have uh, oh, I fished thirty days on there this year. Now nah, that doesn't count as much as being able to figure it out fast. Yep, that's right. Oh man, I want to. I want to. I don't want to beat that whopper plopper to death anymore. But you talked about uh, throwing it without hooks. How often do you do that in practice? A lot. Um, if it's a bigger event, which these days, uh, praise the Lord, that's all I'm kind of fishing. But uh, if it's a bigger event, I'll throw it without hooks a lot because with that style of bait, I mean, you can kind of see what's biting it. You know. Um, you know the difference between a two and a four pounder visually, and so uh, I just take those hooks and uh, and, and just kind of cut them at the bend. Uh, I always like to leave the hooks on there, but just cut. That way, the bait still runs right. Right, uh, right, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, if you remove the hooks, especially on a crankbait, they, the bait won't feel the same. Um, but you know, the hooks were a key in, in this tournament because. Every time that I have a hard bait, especially a plopper, um, what I was doing, I was taking a, a Hayabusa TBL 930 treble hook, and that hook has an NRB coat, which makes it kind of slick. And so this event on Grand, I actually had a few fish on live that would come up and just headbutt it, but I'd hook them in the top of the head, and I'd show the camera that. And so... Uh, most of those big ones are just absolutely choking it, and there wasn't no getting it away from them. But every once in a while, a fish will just want to hit at it, and a lot of times you'll snag them in the side of the face or on top of the head because of those hooks. Um, so I could have done it without Hayabusa uh, treble hooks. That was kind of a, a big mental thing for me, and uh, I was so in the size twos. And... Uh, uh, a good friend of mine asked me through text, well, man, why do you go with a size two and not a size one? I'm like, well, the size twos have just always worked for me. I, I've never tried a one, but, um, you know, it, again, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And uh, the size twos were, were getting them this tournament. Now, obviously, the reason for uh, cutting the hooks is uh, you don't want to stick a fish and have to release it and and cross your fingers, hope he's going to bite again when you come back to that spot, because they usually don't, right? Yeah, so the deal is, 
people might argue and say, well, how do you know that fish is going to bite again? Well, you don't, but I'm pretty confident to tell you that if you catch him on Wednesday, you're not going to catch him on Thursday. Right, right. I I don't know if he's going to be there in the next day or two, but if I catch him and, and, you know, handle him and, (laughs) and traumatize him like that, I'm pretty confident he's not going to bite if I do that. Will he bite again if I shake him off and practice? Hey, who knows, but it's not going to hurt anything. I can promise you that. You like your odds. You're just trying to you're just trying to jack your odds up a little bit more in your favor is all. That's right. I mean, you get against these guys and the, that kind of a field, you got to do every little thing you can yeah. to give yourself an advantage. And, 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 and we're talking about a very, very slow bite. Uh, you're saying uh, yes. I'm catching a fish every 30 to 45 minutes. Heck, uh, the average uh, weekend angler doesn't have the has, doesn't have the patience uh, patience that you showed at a, at a lot of those spots to stay in that spot. I mean, you, you're not staying on a spot for 45 minutes, but you're you're throwing some extra casts and being particularly patient. And then those of us watching on the television are all thinking, "Oh man, these guys catch a fish on every other cast." Uh, not not so at all. It, it's a very interesting tournament like this one at Grand Lake was, I think. It has a slower no bite. Doubt. Yeah, it is. And uh, anytime you're fishing a big topwater bait, you know, you've got to commit to it. You've got you to commit to it mentally and physically. you got to put it in your hand and say, I'm going to throw it for the next three hours and just, and just see what happens. Um, it's not a thing where you can throw it for... 10 minutes and put it down and pick up a jig and then go back to it. Like you've literally got to commit some time to it to really figure out if that's the deal. And I had enough of evidence and practice where I knew it was a deal and it was just a matter of covering enough water in the tournament and getting enough of the quality bites on it and getting them over those cables and under out from under the docks and getting them actually in the boat. How did you, I want to know how you approach this. Uh, Everybody, over pre-fishing develops their A spots, B spots, C spots. You know, you get to the, in the order that you think are going to produce fish for you. You've either seen them on your uh, on your electronics, or you've uh, uh, you know you've you've seen them chasing your baits or whatever. Now you're going out here and you're out early in the morning, and and I watched you guys on the last day, right from the beginning, and these fish don't bite uh, until it gets the sun gets starts getting up and up. Uh, up in the sky a little bit. You're talking about a bite that maybe starts at nine o'clock. Right. You, you've been on the water for a while. All right, you know you got your A spots. You're going to burn your A spots at seven o'clock in the morning. You're going to save your A spots for when the when the sun is up. Well, it depends on the field size. So if if it's the day two where there's still two hundred plus boats on the water, you've got to go to your best stuff first. Um, in fear of somebody else hitting it or multiple boats hitting it. But now it's different on championship Saturday when there's only 10 boats on the water. And, you know, I can kind of fish with my hair down, sort of speak. Yeah. And I'm pretty confident that, um, that I can probably wait a little bit and kind of play more of a timing thing on some of those spots because I'm not worried about, you know, anybody and everybody hitting it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, no. Good, good, good answer. Good answer. Because I, I was watching you guys throwing baits at the beginning on Saturday, and I was wondering. I go, 
do you, are you confident or you said, I'm just killing time until it gets to be the right time, you know? Yeah. Are, are you, do you, did you have confidence that you were going to catch fish or you just say, I'm going to keep fishing. Maybe I get a bonus here, but probably not going to happen for an hour or two. Now, uh, with that kind of tournament and, th and that kind of pattern, you got to expect to bite every cast. Good, good. Excellent. And, and I know, I mean, I don't say that in an arrogant way. I just say that in a way to be laser focused because um, back behind those docks and over those cables, if you lose focus for one second, um, you know, you can get that big bite and lose it and, and not play your cards right. Yeah. Now, the only downside is in, in a tournament where you're only getting 10 bites a day and you're expecting one every cast, you're using up a lot of mental capacity like that. I mean, <laughs> it's exhausting. That uh, disappointment starts building up in you. Yeah, yeah. you got to have some uh, some endurance for that. So, uh, but but man, uh, it was a blessed event, and and uh, I just if I could get a bite about every hour, that really kept me going. Tell me about Nick Lebrun. How old are you? How long have you been doing this? I'm 37 years old. I'll be um, I'll be 38 next week, and. Uh, I've been fishing full-time professionally uh, for three years. In 2018, I won the All-American, so that's kind of my, my start. And uh, love what I do, man. All glory to God. Uh, he's made a way for me. I've got a wife, Jolene. Uh, I've got three little kids. Oh, wow. Jackson, yeah, Jackson and Jace are five-year-old twin boys. And I've got a one-and-a-half-year-old girl, Miss Sadie. And, Excellent. Uh, I, I love them. I can't, can't go without them. Excellent. Well, I know you 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 fished the uh, uh, Major League Fishing title event uh, two of the last three years. I, I I'm looking. I, I assume that uh, you had a year off because of COVID. Uh, e either either way, you've done that. Now you're going to fish your first Bassmaster Classic. Uh, you're on a roll. You're doing well. You get a real nice career watching everything that you've done. And, and I'll tell you, I can only see one. Problem one shortage with Nick LeBrun. You don't fish enough tournaments, my friend. You gotta get on that water more. <laughs> well, when my kids get a little bit older, and you know, uh, they're some normalcy. Man, I'd love to kind of maybe go up to about twenty events a year, but man, right now uh, uh, I'm doing all I can do. <laughs> I, 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 I'd like to. What, now, what would you be doing if you weren't fishing? And what were you doing before you started fishing full time? Man, I just had uh, a few different regular corporate jobs. Uh, okay. My, my last regular corporate eight to five job was uh, I sold investments and insurance. Oh, my and goodness. I did, did that for two and a half years, and that kind of gave me the flexibility to fish and, and kind of make my own schedule. And, and that's kind of how I qualified for some stuff. So, but, uh, but man, I love what I do. And um, it's, uh, it, it's not all, you know, glam and and uh you know bright lights all the time uh there's a lot of travel and there's a lot of uh, sacrifice for your family but but uh man i wouldn't change it for anything i love it and uh, it's uh it's a dream come true well i know your family's happy i know you're happy i know that uh, the fishing circuits are happy uh your sponsors hey uh I, i'm sure you've heard from uh, uh my friends at fitzgerald rods to congratulate you say hey we got uh uh, you know, we got uh, the best, Brian Thrift, uh, on staff, Buddy Gross on staff. Now we got another guy who's cashing checks and taking names, Nick LeBrun. Yeah. 
That's a that's a pretty good lineup, uh, repping some pretty good rods and reels. But anyway, hey, man, thanks a lot. Congratulations, and we will talk to you again next time you win. Good luck, and we'll see you down at the Classic. Man, thank you all so much, man. I appreciate it. Hey, no problem at all. Nick LeBrun, isn't he something? Thanks, Nick LeBrun, for being with us. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank our guests for today, Dan Johnson from St. Croix, uh, Guillermo Gonzalez, kayak fisherman extraordinaire. Boy, that was a good interview, Dave Kranz, let me tell you. And then Nick LeBrun, Bassmaster Central Open champion and a good guy and a good fisherman. Learned a lot from Nick LeBrun. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. They have what you need for every application and all your fishing needs at every price point. Man, oh man, there's no reason not to be using Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. We love your mail. We answer everything. So let her rip, folks. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.